Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by David Garcia, coach, educator and founder of It's Just a Sport. David, a big warm welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I enjoy listening to, to the podcast, so definitely a pleasure for me to be on. Yeah, look, we've both been looking forward to this for a long time, but um, I mean, you know, as a long time listener as yourself, David, you know where we begin this show and we always begin by asking, could you please take us through your earliest football memory? Yeah, um, I actually prepared for it because I knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, th- definitely, I, I have a very vivid memory of the 1998 uh, France World Cup. Um, so I was I was born in Mexico, and and I'm at an early age we moved to the United States. However, I've always followed Mexico, so I remember very vividly that World Cup and, and being very excited to watch Mexico. I was probably like seven or eight years old. Um, and I, I vividly remember I had that same jersey. They had a very unique unique shirt that year. And it had like some Aztec uh, like symbolism. And and yeah, I remember that World Cup very vividly. I remember the, you know, the players. Um, and that's probably the first memory that, that I have of, of like watching the game. Yeah, I remember growing up playing like with my with my dad and with my my uncle and, and grandfather, you know, like in the park and we kicked the ball around. Um, but but as a, a memory of some sort of organized football, it was it's definitely that first ninety eight World Cup. And I mean, ninety eight World Cup is I think it's a sign of the times too. It's been quite a prominent feature when I speak about that earliest football memories and I mean, that's a World Cup that became renowned for Zinedine Zidane, became renowned for Ronaldo. So mm-hmm. I suppose, I mean, obviously now you're speaking about your own coaching capacity. Did that World Cup impact or shape any way in which you positively, positively watch or view the game of football? I don't think so. I think, um, I think it was more of a, like watching it as a fan watching it as a as a somebody getting engrossed <clears throat> engrossed with the the drama of it like being emotionally invested into the result um like i do remember like the like you said the zidane specifically and i remember i remember like the way he the way he moved and um so so maybe um i don't i don't i don't think i could answer that for sure but yeah possibly <laughs> interesting one and I, I mean growing up with that at the forefront of your brain i mean where did a coaching bug begin to come into play for you david um so i so i i i played in the united states i grew up playing in the united states did the well back in the, the back when i was growing up there was like premier soccer and, and ODP stuff. And um, so I did the traditional path through, through youth, uh, youth soccer in the United States. And then I went off to, to college, played in college. And, and it was after that, that um, probably my last year in, in college, where I was in summers, I do uh, summer camps. And, and, and yeah, it started to be more interested in coaching maybe not entirely like I thought I I didn't think that I would continue with it 
I just thought it was something fun to do. And, and then it was when I left, uh, uh, left college, left university, I graduated, I finished and, um, and I got an assistant job, uh, as a, a graduate assistant coaching at a nearby college. It, that was probably the time where I thought, okay, I really enjoy this. Like I do want to stay connected to the game. Um, and it wasn't until I actually finished those two years and and I I met uh, some Spanish guys and, and this is a little bit further down my coaching journey. Uh, Spanish guys that would come to I had met them. They would come to my house. We they would do summer camps and they would stay the summer and I would work the, the summer camps with them and then they would go back back to Spain, you know, after the summer ended. And they invited me after one of those summers. They said, why don't you come to Spain and you could do your UEFA licensing. We're the instructors there. We could get you on the courses. And so I did. And I remember very vividly having traveled to Spain and sitting with the director of the Andalusian Federation and, and my friend, one of the instructors. And he asked me, and he asked me that same question. Like, It sounds like you have the bug now. And like, I had never heard it. And, and it, it, it's like, it sticks with me still, because I think that's the moment where I realized, wow, like I came all this way. This must mean that I'm really passionate about it. Like that, that I'm following this thing to, I didn't even know where it was going to lead to. Um, but him asking that question and, you know, when we were drinking that coffee is when I realized, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is more than just like a hobby at this point. And, I mean, as we spoke off air, I've been following your good work with It's Just a Sport for a while. I mean, you've been doing it for countless years, but there was an old tweet that you brought up a few weeks ago. And for me, it's very much interesting to see how the mission statement for It's Just a Sport, you mentioned two key words there about community and curiosity. Mm -hmm. That kind of reigns supreme throughout your own coaching journey. So mm -hmm. the creation of it's just a sport, a community and curiosity at the bedrock. Why? Well, so for a long time, it's just a sport was just a an outlet for for my thoughts. So I didn't really have a mission for. I didn't have a purpose for. It was just, uh, you know, through living experiences. One of the best ways that I can find insight in things is is to reflect on them and to write on them and and. And I find that's one of the best ways for, for me to grow is, is for me to, to put things out into, into the public sphere and, and essentially have to reflect on my experiences. However, in the last couple of years, uh, I, I wanted to, to, to grow further. I, I felt like that wasn't enough at that point. Like I wanted to, to, to push the It's Just a Sport further. So at that point, yeah, I sat down and I thought, well, what do I want it to be? Like, what what would I have wanted when when I was, um, you know, growing and, and learning uh, through my coaching journey and, and starting? And and one of the things that I, I find probably the, the, the most important thing to, to growth is curiosity is I always, always ask why. Like to the point where my wife sometimes gets annoyed at me where, cause I'm asking like, you know, why? Cause I, I have two small kids. Um, so I'll be asking like, ah, I wonder why he's behaving that way. Or I wonder, 
and and sometimes she'll be like sometimes there is no why sometimes it's just the way that it is but for me that's that never never satisfies me i always want to know why and this you know this translates into coaching is is that i always want to figure out what's the underlying reason for something and and that kind of is the the bedrock of it's just a sport and always has been i just never realized it so i I wanted that to continue and i wanted to spark that same um, curiosity or like desire to want to know why to other coaches and the other part is that i've always felt that that in interactions like the one we're having now that's where you can learn the most from i think it's one thing to to reflect uh, on your own and write things, but it's another thing when it's real time. I'm I say something and you react to it in real time, which then has, you know, creates some sort of uh, feedback loop into me. Like, oh, I wonder how he's interpreting what I said, and 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 how, you know, what I said does that make sense, or did I explain that clearly enough? Or oh yeah, that's a good point. What he what he just responded. So through that interaction that can only happen through through like i say interactions and for me that's vital to the community and and that's vital to creating community is is people that can be in a a, a space but digital space or see each other frequently enough where we can have those interactions so one of the things that i i love doing is a monthly webinar where i can actually see people yes, through a screen, and it's it's not ideal, but there is still some interaction where there's uh, real-time feedback about, about the things that we're thinking. And, and for me, the only way that that can occur is through, through building a community. And, and to do that, like I say, it needs to be like a repetitive, almost... Um, something a time or something that everybody looks forward to and wants to meet Um, it's not easy to do because everybody's on a different schedule but I think when when we can commit to that um, there's a lot of growth that can come from that really well said and it's interesting too because you know speaking of creativity at the heart of creativity of course is self-expression and I'm just writing down here, you know, there's many different ways in which the game of football can be expressed. However, for you, David, would you say there's a part of football or there's a style of football that best resonates with you and your soul? Um, yeah, yeah, I, for sure. Yeah, and it's, um, I, so like I said, I, I got most of my, I did most of my coaching journey, at least thus far in Spain and working alongside Spanish coaches and doing UEFA licensing in, in Spain. Um, so I got a lot of experiences then. And one of the, the biggest uh, styles or, or, or lenses to look at football in Spain is obviously positional play. It's juego de posición. And and I found it when I was experiencing and I saw kids experiencing it and in the in how they the perspective that that they provided in Spain in terms of that juego de posición allowed kids to understand and I saw the development in their cognitive understanding of the game 
of primarily, if I could boil it down, is how can I use my position to directly affect and, and manipulate affect uh, either direct opponents or indirect opponents. So like when they're really little, when they're really young, they're just the primary, the, the primary thing is how can we have young players understand that they can direct, they can affect their direct opponent via their positioning. So by standing two yards to the left, two yards to the right, a little bit closer, a little bit further away, all of those things can have a direct effect on, on, on their opponent. And when they start to see almost like the cause and effect of that as they grow through the game, they can then start to add layers to that where they see they can start to then interact with their teammates. And when we do something together via our positioning, it has a direct effect on the game. And I saw that to be such a, a good developmental tool because it was almost like, like science experiments for the kids where they, they could see the cause and effect of where they were positioned. Um, so relative to, to other factors with other variables of the game. And, and, and I guess maybe that's why I still, you know, I strongly still follow that, that perspective of juego de posición, positional play. Uh, Cause I do feel that it, it simplifies the game when, when done appropriately age appropriately simplifies the game for kids so that they can see like i said those effects on the game so they can see that they can stay connected with the game at all times um so in short yes i definitely follow a a style it's something that holds true to me is is a positional play or, or juego de posición and i know what's very important to you too is the ability to translate this into methodology and capture it as part of a game model, David. I mean, which you obviously do a pretty good job of educating coaches on your platform regarding the significance of understanding the importance of creating that game model. Yeah, I think the game model is important. I think sometimes um, I, the word game model can be misconstrued. I, I don't know how other people define it. Because obviously everybody has their own experience with it and their their own, uh, their own way that they interpret when somebody says game model. However, the way that I interpret it is, is a collection of of intentions of how can we direct attention or what do we deem the most important part of 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 the game and and how can we direct attention to those really important variables. Uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, and once we have kind of clarified what those variables are, what is the most important part that, that we want to direct attention to and have players pay attention to, uh, in that there will be some sort of um, aligning of intentions, aligning of attention. So where everybody, ideally, is is paying attention to the same things. And when that occurs, you can see that when you hear phrases like, you know, it, it looks like they're clicking or like they're on the same page, all those phrases that kind of try to describe when players have an understanding of each other and understanding of what the team is trying to do. That's what that, the, the result of, of 
paying attention to the same things and aligning intentions to the same things is playing on the same page or, or the team that is clicking. Um, so I think that that for me, it's not only for the value for the players, but for the value for the coach to be able to, they could pay attention to a thousand different things, but that only makes it confusing for players because then basically everything that comes into their attention to their consciousness, they're going to say, as opposed to saying, ignoring the things that aren't helpful at the moment because the game model kind of almost sets like blinders for, for the coach and allows them to focus on what we've already established to be important. So I think for the, the value for the, the, that the game model provides for the coach is that it, it allows them to harness their attention, to harness their attention, to be able to, to simplify the game to, to a few things that we can constantly and consistently direct attention to. Hmm. And what are some considerations coaches should take into play, David, with respect to updating and refining that game model and adding different variables and ad- adaptations into it? So some of the things that... that so I, I run a um, <clears throat> game model development workshop. It's, it's for people who... Uh, I think one of the, the first things that... The first roadblocks that I that I see is that I don't know the, the coach is telling me, I don't know where to start. Right. So the first step is trying to um, define what is this ideal or what, like you just asked me, like what is the football that you connect to the most? And the way that I do this initially is I ask them, describe to me what is the perfect type of football what is this this the ideal football for you and it in i asked him like as a player like what what's the one that you had the most fun with had the most mm, exciting experiences with what's the one that or or maybe you didn't experience it firsthand but you saw it and and you can connect to it and in it because by finding that first initial um thing that you connect to the most that's the one that you'll be most passionate about that's the one that you'll be able to communicate with with passion because that's what players that's what a good coach does is that they they need to to be able to believe in the thing that they're trying to communicate now once that done once that's done the next part is as as we discussed in the previous webinar that that i did on culture is the player's abilities or inabilities. And I think this is sometimes where um, we kind of lose track of what the purpose of a game model is. Purpose of a game model is to help the players, right? And if we have an understanding and recognition, we respect what the players are uh, capable of doing or maybe incapable of doing their abilities and their inabilities. And on top of that, experiences and inexperiences if we respect those, then how can we tailor that ideal football that, I, that this coach describes to me to the people that are going to have to bring it to life? If, if it's too far uh, of what's uh, what they're able to do, 
when I refer to like that ideal football, but then you see them play, you're like, well, maybe at the moment, this is not something that, that they can connect to. Well, then how can we bridge the gap? And that's the key is we want to bridge the gap to the thing that they're capable of and that we want to, to that you, you as the coach, the, the coach is able to communicate passionately. Um, so that would be the next step. And then from there, it's, it's just looking to, um, to kind of like to set um, objectives, intentions within different phases of the game, however you describe phases. And this is something else that we go into, you know, pretty in extensively is, is that the more you divide the game into phases, into whatever it is you want to divide the game into, the more complicated, the more difficult it's going to be to bring to life, right? You want to find a balance where as many phases or moments of the game as necessary. And then we find find objectives within that. Then we can define how can an individual contribute to that. That's another part that a game model often lacks is that, well, there's individuals playing the game and we have to tailor the language and, and uh, help the players within their, their roles, whatever their roles are. And again, this is something that needs to be defined by the coach whatever the roles are, how are they contributing to it? Because uh, that's that's key is, is that the, the team is made up of individuals. It's this paradox of like individuals and team, individual team. Um, but we, we need to provide something for them. So in a nutshell, that's that's more or less the process that one goes through that, that I help or at least I try to help coaches go through. In other words, what you're basically describing there is you're bringing to life the coach's understanding of their own coaching workflow yeah exactly uh, yeah yeah. So it's, yeah it's interesting right too because what i'm fascinated and what i'm trying to research myself at the moment too is like when we look at individuals within the team individuals within the game model context better understanding of them better training standards as well and then if you look at the future gen z player what they want is they want to be they want to have everything now but they also want to be part of everything they want to be you know flexibility and adaptability are two words that keep coming back that are real prominence so is there anything that you're studying at the moment or is there anything with your own lens obviously coaching for 12 plus years david where you've seen a shift in basically what coaches need to be understanding and giving back to players in terms of the game model? Um, I think one of the things that, that um, I think as coaches, we want to try to fix what they don't do well. But the inverse of that is provide them opportunities to excel in the thing that they already do well. So essentially amplify <clears throat> their, their natural tendencies, amplify the thing that they are naturally can, can really excel at and, and put them in situations where that will continue to develop, develop further. I think that's one of the things that, that the, as, as the coaching uh, as coaches we can start to do better and in the process to 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 do that is first you need to observe you need we need 
to to take in have an, an input of what the player is capable of what they're because those natural tendencies that they have those are the things that that are unique to them and if we can if we can amplify that that uniqueness that unique expression of of their game and obviously then it's like like we said it's uh, in 11 individuals trying to work together so then how do those fit together that's kind of the difficult part but i found that more often than not that works itself naturally that works out naturally in that um that's what complex systems do is that like individual parts find a way when there's a a a kind of a collective intention a collective objective they find a way to express themselves individually while also working with each other to achieve that team objective. So um, I would say that we want to, we want to also amplify our, the, the players unique expressions of the game. And instead of like, like I said before, instead of, correcting all the the weaknesses and essentially by correcting all the weaknesses you're making every player look the same and there's no there's no uniqueness Mm. and and i think that's one of the ways that we can um you know um make sure that the the environment is personalized i think that word there at the end personalized best sums it up because you know what we're speaking of here in terms of creating your own methodology and having the tools to adapt and refine your own game model. It's something that happens from the bottom up and it's emergence, I suppose, from the top down. Because if you were to follow certain circles, you would, based on the guess, to say that we're in a crisis of understanding at the moment when it comes to certain realms of the footballing experience. You know, Juan Malilo famously speaking of the garnish eating the steak with reference to the state of the game in 2022 on The Athletic. But I mean, how important is this authentic expression of football in light of, David, what one could say as the growing homogenization of the game? Uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really important because at the end of the day, what if you, if you talk about what football is, it's a game. It's a game that people play. And when you study and, and you read what philosophers over the you know, centuries have, have talked about what play is play is basically a a at the end of the day within the what what the importance of games within human uh endeavors they have it's insignificant like there's no purpose to them like (laughs) once the game ends that's it like it it ends and then people go back to their lives and, and and they go back to the job however within that that play people young and old are able to to essentially be someone else or 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 be not someone else be a different version of themselves in in their pursuit of whatever it is that they're trying to play so as i said philosophers have studied what play is and and they realize that it's it's people trying to expand their abilities to do something but most of the time it's their abilities like if you really think about 
a, a kid learning how to to score a goal that skill the that's not going to be useful anywhere else besides that specific game so if you think of it the value of learning that specific skill it's not that valuable towards their life however in the process of learning whatever skill that it is that they that they need to master in that game they learn other skills they learn to be to be resilient they learn to struggle through through adversity they learn and i think that's what games do and that's what football does and sometimes we forget we 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 want to give like football this this um you know long term purpose is to to develop uh professionals and 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 we think we forget that the purpose is just for them to experience what it feels like to learn something to master something to to work together all of these uh skills that you you need as a person how to collaborate how to communicate with others how to to um know how to lose how to know how to win um how to to show up day in and day out even when it you maybe there's days you don't want to go to training but you know that it's in your pursuit of this this thing that you um, that you're trying to master and in that i think that the the purpose uh the, what what leo i think understands is that it's a game and people need to express themselves in that game as as a unique self and and their experience in that game needs to be respected and it's when we try to to mold players into a certain way so that they can become professional players it's where we lose the 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 the, the magic of of play um so i i think Lidio kind of understands that and it's you know it's it's fortunate and unfortunate that he's a professional coach who works with at the professional level which is the probably the same thing that he's trying to he, he kind of like pushes back on you know but the, the fortunate part is that he he's given a voice because he works at the professional level so you know a little my my rant about games and, and how we kind of lose track of but I, I think that is important is that we need to remember that it is a game where people need to to experience themselves in play I think that's absolutely uh fascinating and equally enlightening just speaking about there the concept of play and bringing it all back because for me what you're suggesting there to me Dave is that it's nearly like a player or the coach or the player let's speak of now that takes to the field the game itself enables a collision of multiple identities you know to meet each other between those white lines so you know are we rather better off speaking about character development rather than the athletic development piece um i think character development is a byproduct of the the what the player is trying to achieve within the game so the within football like i've like i've said is they're trying to master certain things and they're going to have experiences that are going to test their and, and push their 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 character, for lack of a better word. And 
and it's in those moments where yes the coach should be a guide having more life experience than perhaps a, a young player to guide them through what it means to be a for example good teammate what does it mean to be a good teammate what does it mean to be a good competitor what does it mean to be uh, respectful of the opponent respectful of the game what does it mean to to struggle through adversity and, and perhaps be be guided with with some tools to know that when I feel disappointment, when I feel frustrated, when I feel um, when I feel negative about my performance, that that in in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but with the 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 guidance of the the coach, with the guidance of the person alongside them, and with the guidance of their parents, this is the other part. How can they? turn that frustration disappointment into to how to deal with adversity because that ultimately that's at the end of the day i don't want to get too philosophical because that's what life is is problem after problem after problem and if as a as a young person you learn when i'm faced with problems it's okay i just need to work with who i need to work with or i need to to figure out how i can solve this problem and that's how I think it, that's why I think character development is a byproduct of that what's going on in the game. And by placing them in experiences of the game, they're going to be faced with situations where their character will have to develop. And they'll have the tools to then, uh, like I said, solve problems in the future. Or learn how to communicate with, with, uh, with teammates or coworkers in the future. Well, it's nearly it's nearly better as if to describe the coach really as an experience architect rather than Dave. <laughs> yeah, and that that's a, it's I laugh because that's um, in the mission statement of of it's just a sport. One of the things well, I, I didn't put publicly into a tweet or anything, but. The one of my missions is to create experiences and we create experiences through the game. And for me personally, in coach development, I want to create experiences for coaches that they can then reflect on and, and they can also learn. Because if you again, if you think about what a coach does, most more often than not, they spend a lot of their time in something that's not going to at the end of the day it's going to be meaningless but and and i don't want to sound too you know dark and gloomy around that but we we select to use our time in this like silly endeavor of football because we enjoy it because we know the experiences we'll get we'll get from that will will help us grow as people and i don't know if we know that kind of consciously or we choose that consciously, but in the same way that that uh, that I I see the value of crafting, like you said, experiences for players so that they can learn how to, like I don't want to belabor the point, but how to to face adversity, for example. I I also want to craft experiences for coaches 
so that they know how they can lead better, how they can work with young people better, how they can be more empathetic, how they can be more passionate, how they can be more, um, uh, you know, more, more organized in their thoughts or reflective, you know, all those things will serve human beings in general. And, and yes, I think the only starting point is experiencing something and experiencing something you're passionate about is an, an even uh, greater uh, learning tool. You know, it's something which I'm noticing a lot more and it's the growing importance too of that coach-athlete relationship, not in terms of an increase in the contact time between coach and athlete, but with due respect to looking at the ratio of the coach-athlete relationship time compared to the friend-athlete relationship time, compared to the parent-athlete relationship time, I think if you look at the modern education system now, there's an awful lot of onus and responsibility that parents put on coach's shoulders. You know, there's an awful lot that comes into play when we look at this game of football as one big life experience. And then within it, we're just a microcosm and a figment of it. You know, so everything is meaningful, but in the same breath, you know, it could all go back to dust and zero and be meaningless. <laughs> so for me, it's just interesting because when we speak about going forward and we speak about how the feel how the game on the field is about to evolve, for me, I think, unbeknownst to most of ourselves, I think we're in an age now where this coach athlete relationship is rapidly transforming into something which is like it's going to weigh an awful lot more on coach's shoulders over the coming years. And I think and I, well, I would have to say I hope that we are well-tooled and well-equipped to deal with it too. Yeah, I, I think that one of the most evident things is that in order to, to help others, in order to lead others, to serve others, you first have to take care of yourself. And and I know we spoke about this in, uh, you know, before we started recording was that, that often we we coaches work two weeks straight without a day off right and 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 then we'll have one day off and then we're back at it for another two weeks and and that can take a physical toll a, a mental toll and when when you're not able to take care of yourself and and it's going to be very hard to to take care of others and to lead others so so yes, having also the the um the emotional regulation required to to be in because those experiences think about a game experience, a match experience, a very emotional experience. And and often where you know we talk about we always like as a collective we talk about this coach who like blows up on players and I, you know i don't know who these coaches are like i've seen absolutely coaches have tough days and they yell at a referee but i see that as a result of a lack of emotional regulation and how how can we learn to understand as a coach learn to understand how we can regulate ourselves how we can take some perspective you know and zoom out and say this is a seven-year-old's game 
we, you know, in this is a 13 year old coaching and take that perspective in that little second. And, and I'll, I'll make a, a connection to, uh, I, I read this, I, I don't remember where to be honest, but um, often you see the worst in people when they're faced with some form of inconvenience. So like your flight gets delayed and they blow up on the on the person who's trying to book them the next flight or trying to book them a hotel and it's in those moments where we can stop to take perspective to zoom out and say you know the person in front of me has has no they they, it's not their fault and to say i need to be still and empathetic and i need to be a compassionate person with this person uh, even though what I'm experiencing is far from ideal. And it's the same thing when when we fault coaches for for certain things. I, I don't think anybody is in this for 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 any other reasons that they they want to help or they they want to have an experience. like I said, they want to have an experience within the game and in in through those experiences they're they're going to learn something about themselves but but to back to your point yes we we have to take care of ourselves we have to 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 know what we need in order to better serve others how what tools do we need to develop to help be the best version of ourselves for others it's interesting i mean you run a series of fantastic webinars which i would implore a lot of people to check out dave if not everyone you know about creation of your game model. You ran a recent one on culture. I mean, is coach well-being on the carrots for any time soon? Yeah, I mean, it should be. Here's the thing that I that I'm hoping. Yeah, our conversation will at least uh, will pique the interest of at least one coach. But it, what I find is that that's not a a topic that that is um, that the coaches are interested in because they it's not as as appealing as uh, a tactical one right like um, I, I'm very aware that when I post something to social media and to Twitter that that the engagement will be much higher when when it's involves a a tactical uh, topic as opposed to uh, emotional regulation. Yet I see emotional regulation or, or like I said, emotion or coach well-being as the, the groundwork to, to it all. Um, so yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think it, w- it would be an interesting, I, w- I would love to do that. I mean, and as a key protagonist in terms of understanding what happens on and off the pitch as a coach, David, I mean, as someone as curious as yourself and you have a huge community behind you, I mean, where do you see the game evolving and how do you see yourself and it's just for a sport being positioned alongside it? It's a good question. Um, I don't know where, where the game will evolve to. You know, I have like theories or, or what I would like to see. Um, but what I can say is that, that I, the, the, my intentions with everything that I do is, is for, 
for coaches to to see their craft as creating experiences and and players experiencing the game using the game as a tool to become better people and if if through that a handful of players really excel and they 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 reach you know their their professional level great but ultimately I would like for each each player and each coach to provide uh, to have an experience um, where they can try to attain the the best version of themselves within the game. And I think the only way to do that, and this is now where I I hope or or maybe I I think it might go, is is that we're we're having understanding about about meeting people where they're at and 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 instead of trying to mold people to where we think they should be is meeting people where they're at and saying and essentially asking how can i help you how can i help you what do you want to achieve and how can i help you get there um so you know a lot of the discussions around the culture piece i think are really important you know what what leo brought to life in in his article and, and people like uh, Jamie Hamilton who's who's done a good job of of shedding light on on that as well um is important because we we're moving towards um I would I would like for us to move towards a place where when you meet people where they're at naturally you're going to respect their culture and you respect respect their experiences and their inexperiences and what they what they see and have the, how they've experienced football to, to that point. So that's my hope is that we'll start to get different styles and, and different. Uh, and I think we are, to be completely honest. I think there's, there's a lot of unique expressions of football at the highest level. You know, you watch like Xabi Alonso's Leverkusen and it's, it's a really cool style of football. Um, same with um, obviously Fluminense and 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 Malmo, but but even like when you watch uh, um, Manchester City, they evolve over over time, and that's that's a cool thing to watch too. It's a unique expression based on the the people that are bringing it to life. So I think even even with what we would call the traditional, and I use that in quotations, traditional. Mm, modern football there's deviations and there's unique expressions of it so if, if we can recognize that and and then bring to life in our context how we can bring a unique expression of football to life hmm. and is there anything happen now in player performance pathways underneath the surface that you think or believe will perhaps become more commonplace and a lot of people will be speaking about over the coming decade or so um, could you elaborate on that question? Yeah, sure. I, I think it's really interesting. Like we all understand that we're at this token edge of, or this totem edge, I would say of creativity and innovation at the moment where the game's in a delicate balance. And again, you can look at it and people misrepresented it too, by just deciphering it down into relationism versus positionism, so on and so forth. Well, for me, there's an awful lot of good work being done behind the scenes at clubs, big, small, or wherever, all over the world, that 
is perhaps cutting edge and really innovative and really new at the moment. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you're aware of or anything that you're observing from afar right now that you think, wow, I think this really has the potential to blow up and become quite commonplace over the coming decade or so? In short, I don't know. Um, I, um, yeah, obviously there's a lot of uh, interesting technology around. Um, for example, I've seen a, a lot of like gadgets or virtual reality around like scanning, like helping players to scan and having awareness around that. Um, what, and this maybe this goes right back to where we started about Leo saying the garnish, you know, eats the steak is, is that at the end of the day, like I've discussed, the game is the experience, the central experience that needs to occur. And if we can use technology to enhance that experience, great. If we're using technology to detract from that experience, then it's, in my opinion, that's not a good use of technology. So maybe it's, um, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, trying to think of different things that I've seen. Um, like I, I, I've seen some, some use of, uh, of like player well-being. And for example, at my club, we, we do, uh, even at a young age, we, we start to have a mental performance, um, coaches or, 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 you know, sports psychologists intervene or, or be a part of the, the, the community of that team in, in the group, but we use them and they're used in a way that, that, uh, amplifies the current experience as opposed to being separate from it so yeah to, and to answer your question i think i'm not sure what what we can continue to do but what i can say is that if we can use additional technologies uh you know advancements in in, in knowledge to really enhance that game experience and what the game already is that's fantastic when it starts to take players away from that or it starts to you know divide or or essentially break up that that game experience and what it already is then i i don't know if it's as useful as, as we think it is absolutely fascinating you know i'd have to say as we come to a close in this conversation david i mean the discourse between us both is it's taken me to a place I didn't think we'd, you know, visit in this episode alone in terms of yeah, all four <laughs> all four corners of the game, all four corners of the world. Um really fascinating for me to understand how the coach athlete relationship will evolve and how in a way like the tactical blueprint of the game on field is actually metaphysical in a way in terms of what it gives rise to in terms of character development, not only the athlete, but the coach the support system around it so i think there's plenty of range here for round two i would assume but as you know you know as is closing tradition on this podcast i end by asking what would be the one bit of key advice you'd have for anyone wishing to thread a similar path to yourself i would say 
reflection. I think um, making purposeful time to to reflect on experiences. Because, uh, like I said, I, I I think a coach is is can be bombarded, and and their time can be stolen by what what is deemed that like needs to happen, what is necessary, and and they go from training session back to back to back for multiple days in the row. Then they have a match and they have another match and they directly go back into training and, and then there's travel and then there's watch the film and all those things. Basically it's in terms of, uh, of, of, of insight. We need, we also need some form of, output in that that's what the reflection process is like you're consuming all these experiences but if there's no stop if you don't make time to digest those experiences because we all have them we all have reflections however i think most people don't externalize them and then they just get lost they just get forgotten in in the the abyss of our brain and our, our, in our mind. And, and we don't remember and we don't remember the thing that we learned. So when we can start to externalize that reflection process, we're digesting those experiences. And, and through that process, you, you gain insight that you can remember, you gain insight that you can go back to. For example, I have a bunch of notebooks that I have have had since since I started and sometimes I'll go back and I'll read them and I'll be like oh, I wonder what I wrote down six years ago after a training session and it's sometimes very interesting you know and all those things I think they they add they build upon each other and they, that knowledge builds upon each other and those insights build upon each other but if you don't make time for for that process no one's going to just say, okay, well, here's your reflection time. No, no one ever has said that. Like you have to take it for yourself. You have to make it for yourself. Um, so even though it's not easy, I do think if, if coaches want to continue to, to grow and, and by no means am I a finished product, like I, I still want to continue to grow, but I, I think that that process is important. I think, coaches should make time for it really fantastic david garcia it's been an absolute pleasure to host you today on the show great thank you so much connor